And once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. The third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Hello and welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm Gavin and I'm here tonight with Pascal. How are you doing, Pas? Hey, Gav. And Justin. Just, how are you doing, mate? Good, mate. Good, good. All right, well, let's kick it off. There's obviously been a lot of big news coming out today and it's mad. Every time I think, what are we going to fill the show with? There's a million bits of news that that break and, and all of a sudden it's uh, it just keeps you going. But before we get into the really big stuff, let's talk about the dead rubber game against Forest. Um, well, I suppose it wasn't really a dead rubber because they had something on it, even if we didn't. Um, but let's, let's just, let's just go over that real quick. Um, so let's start at the beginning uh, past the lineup. Kivior as a weird hybrid, like kind of left back and part A as some odd right back and what was going on. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't really know. It looked like um, it was Shaka as well, wasn't he? A, a left back. I I couldn't really work it. It looked it looked like Shaka was primarily left back. Um, but then, like you said, with Party, it looked like he was then playing a three. I, I I don't know. I really don't know what he was. The way I was looking at it is, I just look. I just focused on Shaka being a left back. <laughs> that, that was the part that I was focusing the most on. Which I found a bit baffling, but um, yeah, I, I, I have I I had no idea what he was doing. But the only thing I can think of was that he wanted to try and make party kind of maybe some form of um, invert right back, and then also try and do that with Shaka as well on the left side uh, to fill in the void of Zinchenko. It was it was really odd, and I, I couldn't even see what the formation was attempting to be. Just when you saw the big overhead shots, at times we were a back three, at times it was a five, at times it was a two. Um, I, I just whatever he tried, I don't think it worked. Yeah, no, definitely not. Um, I think the like what Paz said, I think like the infographic or whatever had a had jacket left back before the game, and I was pretty confused about that. But you know, in the actual game. I really have no idea who was supposed to be anywhere else. Uh, I mean, my best guess was kind of trying to invert those fullbacks as well, but yeah, it, it didn't work, and it was it it came off really messy on on screen too. And it was a game that didn't mean anything to us. Like it, it really just didn't mean anything, and you it was played in a way that it looked like it didn't mean anything. Arteta looked like he was messing about. He had a dream the night before and just made an eleven out of it. And it was just so odd and bitty. And Forrest, you know, fair play to them. They had a game plan. Past they needed to get something from the game, and they did. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, it, it, it's told, didn't it, in um, at the end of the game, possession stats. I mean, we, I think, uh, were we 82%, something like that? It, it was it over was 80. Just, it was over 80. Yeah, and we had like over uh, 600 passes. They had like 80 uh um so you know the game plan was pretty obvious um they were just going to sit back wait for us to make a mistake and then capitalize on it and uh that's exactly what they did um but uh yeah their their game plan was was pretty obvious and um it it worked out for them 
and it's a fun place to play i would imagine forest i mean i've i've only been there once and it was a fucking awful day i mean it must have been jesus it must have been minus three minus four it was just i think it was just after christmas Stuart pierce he would he'd just been put in in charge as a caretaker we lost ian wright got sent off and i just my main memory of that is walking from the station to the ground we walked over the bridge across the trent and uh I looked at Moaning Imran and I thought he was going to die. He looked like an icicle. I was almost dragging him across the bridge. It was so fucking cold. Um, so that wasn't pleasant that day. But I would imagine when the sun's out, Juz, that's a fun place to play with that atmosphere. Yeah, it looks like it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, crowd was was really nice. Uh, I, I've always kind of had a, a bit of a soft spot for Forest too. So, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm glad they're staying up, you know, despite it being at our expense. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it looked like a really nice game. Sun was out. Can't complain. And for, for us, Pass, we're kind of the last generation that remember Forrest as kind of a, a top team. You know, they weren't they weren't obviously winning titles in European Cups while we were growing up. That was before us, but they were finishing in the top half regularly. You know, we were still in the at the end of the Brian Clough days. So I've always I always like seeing Forrest up there. I miss, you know, that's why that's why Coventry being in the playoff final is kind of kind of good for me because I just you know you all reminisce about them days and uh Forest just seemed like they belong yeah obviously we got the you know our um our age is telling because I you know obviously remember from the first division um they had uh Brian Clough and um the uh I remember them uh Nigel Clough and we used to have some good away days actually at Forest in the past we've had some really good away days um there so you know yeah it's one of those um throwbacks isn't it i think the same with uh coventry as well even you could perhaps say luton even though their their pitch was plastic but it still goes back to a, a different time of when football was different um so absolutely i mean i i don't i i think forest um to their credit looked like they were doomed i thought in the first half of the season um, so they've done quite well to have um, to got themselves back into to, to get themselves um, free of the relegation, um, and also um, they um, they they took a, a punt on their manager as well. They they were unlike some of the other teams where they they got rid of their manager. They actually uh, renewed his contract. So um, it's uh, I, I I've no I I think they're a good team. They're they're not a bad team to watch um and uh, historically they obviously bring back that nostalgic feel as well i enjoyed it i always enjoyed games at the at the city ground i mean i i didn't enjoy the game as such but i enjoyed the atmosphere and and i do like seeing forest up there just the only real part of the game that i think he's uh <clears throat> he's worth hitting on from our point of view here the penalty non penalty on jesus i think it was you think it weren't but regardless Either way, does the way he goes down and he's constantly chirping at the ref affect the way he's managed during a game? Yeah, it it bothers me. Um, I think he does go down a little easy. Uh, we were talking, you know, before the episode, uh, you know, the 3-3 with uh, Southampton uh, drove me absolutely mad how, how easy he went down and I know we disagree a little bit on this penalty, but yeah, I thought he went down too easy again. And I, I swear he would have, 
more chances in a game if he could stay on his feet more often. Uh, tonight, or sorry, not tonight, but the Forest game wasn't as egregious as the Southampton game for me, but I still think he makes a little too much of a habit of it. I think he could do better on his feet. Is he also learning, Paz, that this doesn't work when you play for Arsenal like it does when you play for Man City? You just don't get those 50-50 calls. Possibly. Um, Well, I'll tell you why I say that. I'll tell you why I say that. Because it's not necessarily on the fouls for, but if you look at the fouls against, between him and Zinchenko, they are both being they are both being booked around in around about four times less minutes than they were at Manchester City. So they are being ref differently. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very possible. Um, It it is a bit um, frustrating though, that he um, does go down so easily, but also the complaining and the whining and, and and this that and I, he does wear his heart on his sleeve. There's no doubt about that. When he goes into a game, he's a hundred percent invested in the game. But there are times, and we've seen it not in it just in this game, but in in you know um, the Southampton game and games before that, where he's got this tendency. When really, if he had stayed on his feet, he probably would have had more better opportunity actually with the chance than when he goes down. Um, and um, you know the way that VR VAR is, you you can never have that as a guaranteed backup if the decision is wrong because they have this clear and obvious, uh, vague statement that they have or or you know um, idea behind every decision. So it, it's something that you probably would want to see a lot less of because I, I do feel he is he is a player that can get in the right position, he can make the right decisions, but. In that case, I think there are. I hope there's something, someone telling him that it's proving to be futile. Um, this idea of going down so easily, um, uh, as much as playing G- Granite Shaka at left back, they're just futile. They don't work, and it's better to try and think of another way now of um, of of how to move in inside the box. I think there's just there's a line, right? That you that you've got a you've got a straddle, and the the complaining especially. I just feel like there's times when he goes the wrong side of it. I don't want my players to be meek. I don't want my players to back away. I don't want my players to be silent and suffer. But there is there is a line. I was fine when he was counting next to the referee when Nick Pope was taking forever over his goal kicks at the Emirates. I think that's absolutely fine. But I just felt this game, he must have thrown his arms out more often than he made, than he completed passes just. Yeah, he did. And um, it's funny, you know, he, he, he's got like very expressive eyebrows or something. So, so he always looks like he's about to like just burst into tears, I think as well. Um, which I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think helps uh, his, his case too much makes him look like, you know, he's almost trying to look, uh, you know, like a sad puppy dog or something to get calls going his way. So, <laughs> well, it wasn't given. Um, we lost the game. It's it's completely irrelevant. I've I've got to be honest. It's <clears throat> it's a game I've already put out of my head, really, because it it just it was just an, an irrelevance. And for us to staying up, congrats to them. Uh, you know what can you say? On to the next one. I'm I'm just kind of ready now. Hey, Gav, I was gonna. Or do you wanna? Talk about the goal, because I did think of something that maybe is worth hitting yeah, on real quick. go for it. If you want to go into the goal, go for it. 
um, I mean, you know, it was pretty straightforward for the most part, but the the forest break happens again with another careless giveaway from Odegaard. Odegaard again, wasn't it? Yep. And uh, you know, not not a not a risky forward pass or anything, just a a real simple ball that got cut was out. Was he was he passing inside to Jorginho again? Oh, um... because I think he was, and I think every one of these was it three or four recently that have come from that. Every one of them is passing inside to Jorginho. I I think you are right. I'm looking for the goal right now, but I think you're right. And I, I just wonder if that's just, you know, it's just a case of they're not the usual partners there. It's not usually Jorginho. He'll play passes about looking sometimes. It It is Jorginho, yeah. And you, you actually, you probably have a pretty good point there because, um, you know, maybe it's just familiarity. Maybe it's, you know, Jorginho not being as uh, as active to get back into position, or but you know, for for a player as class as Odegaard, especially with passing, you know, it just it, it does seem a little odd. He's had a, a couple of those now that um, yeah, I'm not. Said it's all been the same. It's all been yep. going across the field to Jorginho. Yeah, huh? That is that is interesting. So yeah, I wonder if there's something in the positioning there, and obviously Jorginho doesn't have the mobility to make up any sort of ground and I just wonder if there's something in there I'm not I'm not you know I'm not trying to absolve Odegaard of, of any blame it, there's been some bad passes I just think you know a good pass can be made to look bad and a bad pass can be made to look good by the person receiving it yeah and I, I I just think I just wonder if there's something in that that it just it just happens to be the player that he isn't usually playing alongside that's trying to receive the ball Every time, and I, I do feel a lot of the time with Jorginho, and again, I'm not going to pile on Jorginho because I'm sure everyone's bored of me telling them how much I don't like Jorginho, but this isn't because of that. He's just a different player to Partey. He has a different starting position to Partey, and he just he doesn't have the athleticism to do that, so he does things in his game to make up for that. And I think if if you're around that for a season, two seasons, you know, and you can kind of play off it, Odegaard's only been around him for a few months and only been playing alongside him for a month. And I, I just feel like that probably feeds into it some. Yeah, absolutely valid. Um, I didn't I didn't really realize it, it happened to be to Jorginho every time. I think you're right. So, yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. Well, Paz, you got anything you uh, you want to add on to the game or, or are we ready to, to move on and get cracking? Yeah, wasn't really much to add on to that game. It was um, pretty dull. Um, kind of, it's one of those that are going to easily escape your memory. Uh, it's not one of the the famous city ground uh, performances um, that I can think of. Um, not really. Just maybe the only thing I would add is just going back to the formation at the beginning. I just getting a feeling that I, I hope Arteta is is now going to quash some of these tactical things that he seems to think work for some reason i i think the granite shaka one is going to solve itself because he's leaving but that kind of uh, you know there are certain things that you just really don't want to see again um and that was one of them and the party right back and stuff like that i mean i know he's trying to experiment sometimes but i just think some of them just do not work so it would be nice for him to perhaps um try and move away from some of those uh tactical moves that he tends to do yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he tries anything weird against Wolves um, at home. I don't, I don't think he will. I, I think it's going to be one of them games where we're, you know, we're going to want to look to finish on a high with a 
players doing the lap of honour and stuff. But um, yeah, I would I would imagine it will be back to as normal as we as we can be. I mean, we've got a few players out now, so it's not uh, it's not a case of just rolling out the first eleven, you know, because we we do have some missing. So I guess he's just trying to find a way to make up for that. And like I said, if you're going to experiment, that's the game to do it because technically it's a, it's an end of season friendly. But you know, you'd rather him experiment with putting in. I know it's easy to say, but Walters, I think is it Walters, Walters, uh, yeah. the right back, putting him at right back than just putting Party at right back. You know, you'd rather see that type of experiment than an experiment which just just does not work. Uh, like there's just no point doing it because it just doesn't work. Um, you know, there's something along those lines. If there's someone from the academy that could make a debut, that's the game you'd want them to play in um, and give them at least, uh, you know, 20, 25 minute go. Uh, then, then doing, you know, the, the 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 ones that are just doomed to failure. I get that. And that's a, that's a good segue that you've given me there, Pass, because from uh, academy products who aren't being given a go to one that was given a go, grasped it with both hands and... Uh, Today has signed a new four-year contract that we've all been waiting for for months and months and months and months and months. Uh, 195 grand a week, another 90 grand in bonuses that are apparently achievable. That's a bargain as far as I'm concerned. Um, I know some people were disappointed that it wasn't five years. It was only four. I don't think it really matters. At the end of the day, in 2025, we're going to be renegotiating again. Um but that's it. We we tied him down for another couple of years. Um, you know, follows on from from Ramsdale and from what I gather, Saliba's close and uh the talks of uh the talks are about to open up with Erdegaard. So Paz, great day. Uh I'll let you start as our uh, local Sakistan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's 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 really, really uh positive. I mean it's something that's not a major surprise to all of us, but obviously when it's official, it's a good thing. Um I think he stood by what he said about the club. He said he's committed to the club. He loves it at the club and he's he's now backed it up by signing it. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about the amount he's got and, you know, the usual. I, I do see the point about the contract. Maybe there could have been a, a one-year possible extension perhaps. But like you said, they're going to have to renegotiate in two, two to three years' time anyway. And um, I think this is... This is pivotal for us because all of these players are now signing. You know, if you're going to get Odegaard, you've got Ramsdale, you've got most likely Saliba. They're really basically saying, I think for a lot of them, is this is our chance now to take this and move the club to the next level, which is to win a major trophy. And I think if we do not achieve that, then we're going to be looking at some movement, I think in the next two to three years' time with some of those players. Um, so it's it's really important, one, for Arteta now. He has an opportunity to play with the players that he wants to, to play with. It gives us an opportunity to be positive going into the new, uh, to the new season, getting in new signings. But I think if you're going to ease our talisman, he's our, one of our main players. If you sign that, that's a great, great indicator that we're moving in the right direction. And Saka's quote, Juz, it's been too long since this club has had Champions League football. I'm really looking forward to Tuesday and Wednesday nights in this stadium. The atmosphere is going to be special. I've seen a lot of change. I've seen this team and club grow. And one thing that everyone around us can be excited about is that we're going in the right direction. Time is on our side. You can look at a lot of our players are young. We're hungry and we haven't won major trophies at Arsenal. So we want to achieve big things. If you watch the way we all speak, we want to win and we want to win here. 
I think that says it all. It's what uh, any of us would say, you know, I feel like he kind of nailed the the fan sentiment as well. Um, you know, I mean, true words and, and uh, you know, I feel like he, he's really uh, one of us, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, great quote. Yeah. And, and Paz, that says the that says the window's open, right? That's basically what it says. This is our free four year run at it. The window's open and, and we're going to kick our way through. Yeah, that that and and you know he's seen the progress. We've made it from last year. We got into the Champions League. That, that was the objective this year. Whether we, the 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 challenging for the league was just a bonus. Really, it was a massive bonus for us. Um, but it shows you that he, he sees as a player. Seems like a smart smart kid. He sees that we're on to something good here. We've, we're keeping our players not like times before. We seem to be making the right moves in the transfer market. I think for him, it, playing in the Champions League is massive for him. He's never played in it. So, you know, this is this is the start, hopefully. We're only at the beginning, I think. And hopefully this is the next two, three years is going to be massive for the club, I think, in terms of what direction we're heading in, because it will also have a massive effect on who stays beyond those three years out of the players that are going to be signing and renewing this year. And this one, Juz, this to me feels like the pivotal one. I know we need to get Saliba tied down and then we're going to move on to Erdegaard. But I just think with Saka being at the club since he was, what, eight years old, growing up here, as Paz said, being the talisman, this is the one we had to get done. If we didn't get this one done, I feel like this would all have fallen apart. Yeah, I agree. Um you know, Saka's been a, a a mainstay in the team for a while. He's Hayland. Like you said, he's been here since he was so young. I think, uh, yeah, this was the pivotal one. And I think his his rise, his ascendancy is kind of, uh, you know, like a mirror to, you know, Arsenal's. Uh, he was in the team since uh, Emery, and, and it's just gotten better as he's gotten better and become more and more important. And I think uh, even though he's young, I'm sure a lot of people still look at Saka as like a measure engaged for the team. And I think if if uh, if he's going to stay and commit, I think it'll it'll make a lot of players want to stay. Yeah, that's that's the way I see it too. And I think Paz, there, there's some players that you know we've talked about it before. There's some players you can see in another shirt, right? Like like I know people ain't going to like this, but. I can see William Saliba in that Real Madrid shirt. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just looks like he's, it looks like at some point that is going to happen. And you can, you can see that. It would not surprise me to see Martin Erdegaard one day in a, in a Juventus shirt, say something like that. But Zachary's, Zachary's the one that you just can't picture in, in another shirt. And it's, it's like, it's the one we had to get tied down and I, I, I just think it's it's the key. It's the key to it all is keeping Saka. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think he, um, he, he I think as as Justin said, you know, being homegrown, coming from the hell end, I think it's it, it would be catastrophic if we lost him at this time, um, because he's one of the the successes from our youth system, uh, a major major success. Um, you can't see him in another shirt, but that's, you know, uh, it, 
who knows if that ever will happen, but you, he is definitely one. I agree with you. I think Saliba, I've always thought, is the kind of player that Real Madrid would would pick up. Or um, Odegaard, I don't know, um, but but I know for certain Saka is someone you just cannot see in any other shirt, especially another shirt in the Premier League. Um, but um, I think the the statement in itself is 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 really really important. I think he is. He epitomizes everything that's been good for the club. He's got a great attitude. He's um you can see what all other players think of him as well. Um, you know, the the remarks that come from the England camp about him, the remarks that come from even what Arteta said about him. And also even academically, I think he's he's done really well with his um with his studies. Um, I think it was his A-levels. Um I I can't I don't know which uh, but I know he's, he's, he's excelled massively in his studies. I think he's just loved by everyone. So that's the kind of player you want representing your club. So, yeah, massive. Absolutely. It's ginormous in how positive this is. And it, for all that's been going bad, over, you know, results-wise over the last month, the, these are the kind of things you want to be seeing heading into uh, pre-season and uh, the summer period. Yeah, going into it on a high is what we've been saying. Unfortunately, the results haven't let us do that, but the off the stuff field might for sure. And him it is a sign of confidence in the team in putting the thing down because he, he could have gone he could have gone anywhere he wanted. Like if, if he if he refused to sign, he, he could have gone anywhere he liked. I mean, we'd have had him tied down for another couple of years, but you know, you, we couldn't have just let his contract run down. So if he wanted out, he could have gone. And the fact that he didn't is is you know it's it's just like you said, it's immeasurable how important it is. Uh, Juz, we had a little conversation offline before um, and I thought it was it was funny when we were talking about Saliba might be done, uh, the Saliba deal might be done. And you're like, I just wonder at this point, like if he's decided to stay, what the hell is taking so long? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I really do wonder that. It's like, can't you get, you know, agents and, and legal on, on a speakerphone and hash it out in like, you know, an hour or so if he's already decided to stay? It's just, you know, it's wild to me how much back and forth really goes into this. You know, I wonder, like, in training every day, are they just like, well, you going to sign today? Um, so I'd, I'd love to. I would love to see one of these. I mean, there's there's a few documentaries that have got some of the contract negotiations. I don't know if... Um, Pass, have you ever seen the one uh the one on Gillingham from the nineties? Have you ever seen the documentary? It's like a four part mm-hmm. documentary. And the owner, the owner, I think he's still the owner there now. And he was never very popular. And he's 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 like a forty year old businessman. Of course he's got a twenty year old wife that wants to be a singer, sings in the local pubs and all this stuff. But they take you in a contract negotiation with um I think it might have been was it Trevor Benjamin? It was one of the it was one of the ninety strikers that never really made it. Do you know what I mean? But he was he was he was at Gillingham, and he goes in and um, he comes in with his agent and the the owner sits down. And he says, "Okay, you know we're going to do the contract negotiations now. What are you looking for?" And uh, the agent says, "Well, we were thinking like four hundred and fifty pound a week." And the owner laughs and he went, <laughs> "No, it's two fifty. And he slides the contract over. And they'll look at each other and he went, no, it's 250 a week. And the next thing you see is Trevor Benjamin signing the contract <laughs> and gets slid back over. And you, you're just like, that's that's how it worked then. I don't think it works like that now. I think that agent might be out of a job now. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, 
there's obviously a lot of uh, I think the agents play a big part, don't they, in in how much they're going to get paid, structure of payments, bonuses. There's so much involved now in terms of you know uh, someone signing, uh, re-signing, or signing for a club. Um, but yeah, you you do on the face of it think, well, what is it? Why would it take this amount of time? What's going on? What's happening? Um, but I guess there's just a lot more in a contract than there were back at that time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's another funny story that that I want to say that I'd heard. I heard Pat Nevin tell this story before when he was at Chelsea. Apparently, Ken Bates used to tell everybody they were the highest earner at the club, right? So you'd go in and he'd say, oh, "I'm going to pay you eight hundred pound a week. You're you it's going to you're going to be the highest earner at the club. You're going to be the highest earner if you sign this." So apparently he's in there and Pat Nevin never had an agent. Pat Nevin did all his stuff himself. So Pat Nevin's in there and Ken Bates is giving him the spiel about how he's going to be the best paid player. If he signs this £700 a week, he's going to be the best paid player. And uh, something happens and Ken Bates gets called out of his office. So as Ken Bates leaves, Pat Nevin gets up, goes into his desk drawer and starts rifling around in the, pa- in the paperwork and finds the list of the squad and everyone's salaries. And he finds out that Kerry Dixon, He's on £1,400 a week. So when, when Ken Bates come back in a room and started again with where he was going to be the best played player, apparently Pat Nevin started reeling off the salaries of everybody in the squad. And uh, Ken Bates didn't know how he got the information, but Pat Nevin ended up getting £1,400 a week instead of the seven fifty that was on that was on offer. So, <laughs> that makes sense. Like, yeah, but I, I think it's uh, I think it's a bit it, it is a bit different now. I don't think you uh, I don't think you'd get away with that. And I also don't think if you wandered into Mikel Arteta's office now, you 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 know, or 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 or, or uh, anyone else's office, you'd find a list of everyone's wages. No, no, no. Now, too, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, crazy yeah. stuff. But yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of. There's obviously a lot of language that that's in there that we won't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's probably insurance clauses in there. If they get injured, what happens? What medical treatment? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's probably stuff in there. That Bonuses. Even, yeah, and we haven't even thought thought about this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's way over our head. Yeah, so I'm guessing that's that's why it takes so. That's why it takes and I think, so long. I think that's probably why agents are important because they'll understand a lot of oh, the different clauses you know absolutely um, absolutely you've i mean you know me and you pass we deal with contracts all day every day correct if you're not trained to read them you're not going to know what's no what's in there no i think kevin de bruyne doesn't have one though if i'm mis- if i'm not mistaken i don't think kevin de bruyne has an agent i don't think declan rice has an agent I think Declan uh-huh. Rice has, uh, has uh, a couple of people in his family that look after all these. Yeah, things. I think that's the same with Kevin De Bruyne, if I'm not mistaken. It might be his father or something like that. But but there are still some that don't utilise um, having an agent. But, you know, uh, they, they're obviously having a family member, I guess, is someone you can trust. As long as they know what they're doing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So still on contracts, um, we've, we've talked about uh, Reese before and how it looked like we were trying to get him to sign a new deal. The latest one from uh, Fabrizio Romano today was that um, there is a new offer on the table for him, uh, which is over four years. Uh, I'll be honest, to me, this is madness. Pass, I know you haven't really spoken on, on this one before. Um, should we be offering it? Should he be signing it? It's it's a tough one. I, I I I it depends. You know, it sounds weird, but it depends what we're offering him. Like, how much are we offering him? If it's 
you know, uh, medium amount of money in comparison to the other players. I mean, is it a real, real risk or is it, is it that much? He's still quite young. He still can have a part to play off the bench. Because again, you've got to think about if we buy an equivalent to him or we buy someone, maybe they're thinking, well, that's going to cost us more in the long run. Um, when you account for wages, when you account for the transfer fee, when you account for the fact that we've got to spend X amount of money anyway on other players. Um, I can kind of see it, but it, it seems a bit weird again while we've left it so late. Um, we did that with Enketia as well. We left it to the very last minute and then we're coming out with the contract. So I, 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 it does make, it, it makes sense in some ways. Um, I don't think it's a big risk though. I don't think if we were to get him on a four-year, it's a big risk. No, I would agree with you. And I think from the club side, it, it does make sense. It's, you know, we've got a lot to do this summer. We've talked about that before. And mm. this is one less thing we would have to do. It's one last. I think it is definitely 100% a sign that Emil Smith-Rowe is gone. I'll tell you yeah. that now. Because I think if he if he wasn't, then I don't think this contract would be offered. So I would be shocked if Emil Smith-Rowe isn't out of the door pretty early in the summer, to be quite oh, honest. Because I think absolutely. That's, that's what... That's what this is. Um, he, 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 Justin he, is. Justin is actually crying on screen right now. Yeah, yeah, I know. And just before I let him take the mic on this one, because I know this is a painful issue for him. Um, I think he even says, though, doesn't it? One uh, with, uh, it even says when he does the subs, he's always ahead of Smith Rowe. Yeah, absolutely. Always. Absolutely. Go on, Just Have a little cry on Mike. <laughs> uh, I don't want to touch on Smith Rowe right now, but... Um... I will say, you know, we've we've discussed on if, you know, if it's a good idea from the club, if it's a good idea if, if for Nelson to even sign this deal. I think my biggest concern is just um is is the like Arteta's trust in him. I think um it felt almost like a Hail Mary. I feel like a lot of the times he's come in, he I don't believe he ever started in place of Saka. So if he's kind of the the backup right wing, but he's not trusted to even fill in for Saka, that would be my concern. I don't I think like... he'll ever play. I think he's signing. I think it's the same as Eddie Nketiah. I think he's signing a deal to never play. Eddie Nketiah came in when we were in an absolute emergency and within six games, we'd signed Leandro Trossard to replace him. Yeah, that that's true. And I can see that more with Nketiah than I can with Nelson. But yeah, there probably is a little bit to that. I just, you know... Why the contract then? Just goodwill or? I, I just, I think it's easier because it's one less player we've got to bring in this summer. You have to have bodies in the squad. And on, honestly, he's a homegrown player and you can keep that body in the squad. And like I said, if Smith Rowe's going, then you're going to need somewhere, someone else that can, that can do a similar job. And I think it's as simple as that. I really do. And that the contract, like the contract for Eddie, I just don't think it means anything. And I don't think he'd be on the same money that Eddie got. And I and I just don't think it means it. I don't think it means that we want to play him. I don't think it means that Arteta trusts him anymore. I, I think it just it's just one less player that we've got to buy in a summer where we probably have to bring in five or six players. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, I, I could definitely see that. It it makes a lot of sense when there's so many other areas we have to focus on. And and I think yeah, I think that's exactly it. Paz, you got anything more to uh, more to add on that? I don't think there's anything anything else to add on that. Is there? No, 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 nothing on my side. Cool. Okay, well, let's wrap up part one, and we'll be back in part two, where um, we've got some interesting news on our uh, our seeding for the Champions League next year, um, 
as well as some uh, some other transfer stuff. So we'll see you in part two. Hey guys, just a couple of quick halftime announcements. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience and we thank you for your support. Also, don't forget to check out our socials. We are The NN Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We try and put out some cool content, so give us a like or a follow and help us build our Guna community. Welcome back to the Non-Negotiables podcast. This is part two. So we'll start off with some uh, interesting yet confusing news on our Champions League seeding. So Juventus got another point deduction in Serie A because that's what Juventus do. Um, I believe this is the same as the last one. The last one was 12 points. Then it got taken away while they appealed. And I believe this is final now and it's a 10-point deduction. On top of it, they got stuffed 4-1 by Empoli yesterday and they are probably screwed for getting into the Champions League places in Italy. Um, So basically what all that means is that because Juventus will be out of the Champions League, we will pop up from pot three to pot two, which is very good for us. That is providing Ajax don't finish above PSV. Uh, Currently, PSV are three points in front of Ajax. Ajax do have a better goal difference. They're both away on the last day. PSV go to fourth place, Art Z, and Ajax go to fifth place, Twente. So um, as much as I know you you two are like little Ajax freaks, we uh we still need PSV to get something, lads. Uh yeah, I mean obviously you know it's uh, always Arsenal number one. So yeah, I'm, I'm pulling for for PSV, and I think um, getting into pot two will be like absolutely massive, you know, for the club. Some of the groups that, or yeah, some of the groups that we could have gotten, the teams we could draw if we were in pot three was uh, was a little terrifying. So, um. Yeah, it'll it'll really benefit us to get in the pot too. And pass is your is your dad okay with this? Us cheering for uh, PSV. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It, actually, it's not really my dad. My dad, uh, as much as he's uh, you know likes Dutch football and uh, had a has a soft spot for Ajax, he just likes Dutch teams in general. So I don't think he'll be too affected by it. It's, it's more uh, elements of my family who are real Ajax fans. So um, yeah, I I, I secretly. We'll be wanting PSV to pull through, but I probably won't be telling them about that. That's the best way to deal with it, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's definitely the best way because if they do, we're going to need Inter Milan to beat Manchester City in the Champions League final, and let's be fair, that's that's not happening. So, when, when is the? Uh, it'd be funny to follow that. I'll probably be quite interested to follow. When is the actual games? Is it on Sunday it's, or Saturday? It's, uh, I believe it's Sunday. I did have a look earlier on because I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to see this myself, and I believe I'm going to check now. But I believe that the games are Sunday, and it's it's interesting. They've both got they've both got pretty tough away games too. Which, yeah, uh, yeah. Ajax is Sunday. Yeah, it's Sunday. Yeah, they're all the same time. They're all at one uh, thirty local time on or one thirty UK time on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Ajax are in a bit of uh, crap actually at the moment because they sold so many of their players. They're going through that that down period that they, they tend to do every time they sell like a shitload of their players. And they bought made some really poor buys like 
Bergvine, for example. Um, and uh, their coach is is nothing to shout about. They lost him as well. They lost Ten Hag. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to take a few years, I think. And you would have think that losing Anthony would have just made them a lot better instantly. What's that? <laughs> You'd have thought that losing Anthony would have made them a lot better instantly. <laughs> yeah, you would have thought that. You'd thought that they'd score a few more goals, but um, they've got that um, Ghanaian player who I think is really good. Yeah, Kudos. Kudos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think he's going to be off. Uh, yeah, he's going to end up so. at Man United. You know he's going to end up at Man United. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably to make up of the Anthony debacle. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, Man United are just going to buy six more Dutch players this this summer or, or players from the Dutch league, and we'll see what happens. But Anthony did do a great turn um, that you <laughs> spotted. There, uh... The official Twitter account of Manchester United. It was a great turn. Twitter, I love the way um, you had turn. mentioned that he actually lost the ball. And he lost the ball. But it was a smooth turn, but he lost yeah. the ball. I, I said that that's just. I said that's just 2023 summed up in a nutshell. It really is. It? I it mean, really he's is. he's turned lost. It wasn't even a particularly special turn, obviously, because he lost the ball. Um, and the official Manchester United Twitter account are tweeting out smooth turn, Anthony. I, <laughs> I, amazing. I, amazing. Yeah, it, it really amazing. is, and you know, and and then everyone's bitching at our our uh, our Twitter account for sending out a thing that shows us oh, signing oh. a mascot shirt. I, I, I honestly feel no names being mentioned here, but I feel that one of the people who participate in one of our chats is running the Manchester United account, the official he account. He could be. He could be. I feel. Yeah, yeah he could be. I mean, it, it just, yeah, it, it baffled me. It did make me laugh. It, it, I did. I, I couldn't help but share that with everybody because I just. Yeah, it was brilliant. I thought, was that, brilliant. Was, I thought that was so funny. Um, the uh, another bit of news from from today um, is Tavares is not going to be staying at Marseille. They are not interested in keeping him. Um, it looks like we're going to be trying to find a home for him, lads. Mm. Any, yeah, any ideas, I've... just where he might go? Uh, no, no idea at all off the top of my head. But uh, you know, it makes sense. I think he started pretty strong and then just kind of fizzled out by the end. But you know, I think he actually would be pretty good for a, a like a young team that can you know afford to play him at only wing back. Uh, I think as long as he's in a back five, he he could be all right, at least good offensively. I know he's a little suspect defensively, but we should be able to find a home for him. You know, we bought him for cheap enough that I expect a at least a small profit. So, wonder yeah. what. I think we might just end up breaking even on him. As you said before, he, he kind of he does need to go to a back three, back five team, doesn't he? Yeah, I think in the Premier League, um, I could see him like at Brentford, maybe. Um, I think they pay a back three. Um, yeah, Brighton, Brighton perhaps, but maybe. Yeah, maybe they've got to lose there. someone, though, haven't they? Because, I mean, Brentford have got Rico Henry there. He ain't getting even in front of him unless Rico Henry yeah, got true. somewhere. So, I don't know. It's it's. I don't know where we sell. I'm sure he'll go. Um, he, he's not one of the players. He's not like Nicola Pepe, where you're thinking, Jesus, we're going to have to pay off his wages for the next year. I don't think that's the case with with Tavares. I mean, I was kind of hoping Marseille would keep him, but it's been it's been such a mad loan, really. I mean, I know it's not something that people follow too closely, and I haven't followed it too closely. But one week they're talking about him as being, you know, the next big thing, and the next week they're booing him because he's just given two goals away. It, it swung so wildly from one way to the other that. I don't think there was ever really a chance, Judge, that he was going to stay there permanently, even though we were kind of hoping for it. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, you're you're right. Um, 
I didn't follow him as closely as Balogun or anything, but uh, it, it was just crazy how much the like the fan, the online sentiment of him shifted from game to game. Um, you know, it, it looked really promising at first, and it just you know, and we watched him for a for a season. I mean, I feel like that was kind of uh, you know our our mindset on him too was that you know every now and then he had a really good game, but then all of a sudden he would be responsible for a couple goals, not paying attention, giveaways. So it, he he's just kind of a bizarre player. I, I used to tell you guys this every week. It was just like looking at a left-footed Emmanuel Bouet. That's exactly <laughs> what it was like. Emmanuel Bouet, like people, he's become a bit of a joke, Bouet, and, and fair enough. But Bouet had some really good games for us, really good games. And then he had some games where you're thinking – is this guy is this guy really a professional? And and Tavares is exactly the same way. He'll have games where you look at him, and if you just got dropped down and knew nothing about him at all, and just watched that one game, you'd look at him and you'd go, "Oh my god, it's a left-footed Cafu." And then you'd <laughs> and then you'd get dropped down the next week, having you had your memory erased. You'd watch him again, and you'd be going, "Oh my god, this guy makes Jimmy Traore look good." So. Mm. It's just, you know, it's one of them where I just think that's going to be his career. But at the end of the day, perhaps someone will pay for that. Yeah, someone will. He's not going to be on ridiculously high wages. He's young. Uh, He's dynamic. He's good from an attacking front because a lot of the highlights you will see, it's difficult to have highlights of defensive um defensive well, that's all right because he don't player. do anything defensively so yeah yeah that's what i mean but even if he did have good qualities defensively very rare you see <laughs> footage of that but you know a lot of a lot of the things coming out of marseille was his attacking his goals and creativity and all of that so if someone's looking for that time of explosive you know left back um playing in a in a three i'm sure there'll be enough of them out there and his his, his wage is affordable his fee will be affordable, so you you definitely can have the market of the continent uh, out for him as well, not just the Premier League, like what has been the case for a lot of our other players. Yeah, I mean, if Kolasinac found a home in Germany, then I, I, I don't... I mean, it was a home that we had to pay for, right? <laughs> that's, that's true, yeah. Yeah, it's like an elderly relative that you uh, you just have to put in a care home somewhere. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was kind of similar to that, but... There's a few of them around. Yeah. Oh well. Well, let's see. Uh, let's see what happens with that one. Um, another story today about someone that uh, might be leaving. John Cross in the Mirror um, is reporting that there's interest from Serie A for uh, Thomas Partey. Now, I don't know if there's anything in this or not. I do think that Serie A clubs would be interested in Thomas Partey. I don't know they'd be interested in paying Thomas Partey's wages. Um, I don't know how much they'd be interested in actually paying for Thomas Partey. And obviously there's some off the field stuff that needs to be figured out before he can do anything. Um, Just you think there's anything in these, in these rumors at all, or you think it's maybe someone from Arsenal feeding some rumors into, uh, into someone that in the past has, has had close links with people at Arsenal. Yeah. I don't think there's really anything in this. I'm sure there's some Serie A clubs that, that like the player, but he is on big money. We're not going to give party away. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I can't see it. Um, I think he's going to be one that basically just runs his deal down with us. Um, you know, I think his injury history has been suspect. And I think uh, for as good as he can be, he is, is a little inconsistent as well. Um, now, now his age on top of the injuries is a, 
you know, a little sketchy. So, so yeah, I don't see him moving, especially not to Syria. He's wildly inconsistent. I mean, absolutely wildly inconsistent because there's been times when I've seriously thought that he's the worst signing we've ever made. When you consider it's 50 million cash and we tried to build a team around him, I've looked at him at times and I've thought, my God, you are pound for pound the worst signing we've ever made. And then he puts on little runs of form. And it's not just this year because he did it last year too. He put on that run of form. Was it just before and after Christmas, before he got injured again, where he was absolutely phenomenal. And then he got injured again. Then he come back. And obviously this year he was great up until there's differing opinions on this, right? I know some people say, well, he's obviously carrying an injury because we sent the trainer away with Garner and we wouldn't have done it if it wasn't carrying an injury. One of my buddies is absolutely convinced that he basically just fell apart mentally after that mistake at West Ham because that did seem to be where it all went went wrong for him. Um, but whatever it is, he is wildly inconsistent. And I do feel, past that there might be some merit in keeping him around in a squad but not having him start every game, which, to be fair, he wasn't doing this year anyway. He was starting the league games, but he didn't start any of the cup games. Um, but he's he's still going to be a decent player to have in the squad, right? I, I'm fine with him running his contract down over the next two years. I think it's uh, Justin mentioned it actually in one of our chats before about you know what we're we going to get for him if Italy if there isn't a Serie A club interested in him. You know, you see what they were doing with Torreira last year. I know it was Fiorentina, it wasn't one of the top top clubs, but you know they wouldn't even shell out you know peanuts for Torreira. Um, so I, I, you just can't see them first. You, you're right about the, the salary. That's going to be one obstacle. The second is what are they going to shell out? Is it worth us selling a player like that who on his day, like you said, can be sensational for us? And there were good periods of the season where he was good. You know, he did, he did play a part in our, in our good run of form. He was in that midfield. He was quite pivotal to all of that. So there are periods when he can be very useful. So is it worth selling him for next to nothing, uh, then having the issue of all you have is Jorginho and then you're trying to look for another player ahead of him? Um, I, I just think at that age, you're just better off having him as a squad player. He can be useful for games. The only reason we weren't paying him in cups was because he's so injury prone. We were scared he was going to get injured and therefore when we need him for the important games, he's not going to be around. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I think he can still have a part to play with like 20 games in a season, 25 games in a season and uh, still be important for us rather than us selling him for next to nothing uh, to, to a club in Syria. And I don't think there's going to be a desperation to get him off the wage bill either. It's not like our wage bill is exceptionally higher because we've already got rid of a lot of the players who were on high wages that we want rid of. And, We've re-upped Martinelli, we've re-upped Saka, we're about to re-up Saliba. You know, those wages are not going to be small. But I don't see it's a case where we've desperately got to get 200 grand a week off the wage bill to get someone in. So it's perfectly acceptable to have him as a member of the squad. And I, I think that is the best thing we can do right now. He's probably just keep him around and play him as and when. There's a lot of noise today that the player that we are trying to replace him with in Declan Rice is uh, getting some more interest from Bayern and Manchester United. Um, West Ham uh, already talking 120 million. We knew this was going to happen. This is posturing. This is what it is. Uh, Paz, is there anything in these rumours you think, or a bit like uh, a bit like us 
kind of sneaking some sneaking some stuff out there to try and generate some interest with party do you do you think this is west ham getting onto their people in the media and trying to uh, stir up a bit of urgency here yeah possibly it could be the agent as well uh declan rice's agent um I, I mean, look, Man United are going to always be in there with every player that we're trying to buy. There's always going to be some link to Man United, I think. I'm just questioning whether what they're... Firstly, they have this ownership thing going on. I still think they will buy players regardless of what's going on with the ownership. But if, as it stands, it's the Glazers. I think um, with the Glazers, I'm not sure how much they're going to have readily available to spend in summer. Um without some outgoings as well. So I I just feel that that would be blowing a lot of what their budget would be. Um, and I know striker is an area which they're really looking into at the moment because um, they, they really have a problem. They've got Veghorst at the moment. Uh, well, they're being, linked with, um, they're being linked with Lajovic, aren't they? Who's another one that we've been tentatively linked with after being definitely interested in uh, last year in January. So that's... Um, you know, if they if they do, that's going to be a big chunk of whatever budget they've got. Surely. Yeah, yeah. Martial is is injury prone. I think he's on on his way. Veghorst won't be there next season. Rashford is not really a quintessential striker. So yeah, absolutely. So I think they've got other priorities, and also I just don't know how much of a budget they're going to have. Um, Bayern, I just can't see Declan Rice going to Bayern Munich. I think he wants to stay in the Premier League, and I think he ideally wants to stay in London. So. Um, I don't think as a player's um, preference that would make sense. But there's going to be rumours. I, I, I'm not surprised by this. It's either coming from West Ham or it could come from his agent. But I, I'm not really too 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 daunted by, by those two teams being interested in him if it is the case. And just Bayern are not going to pay for him, right? Like that, that's the thing. Bayern are just Bayern don't pay for players. They wait till their contracts are running down and steal them off their rivals. That's that's just how Bayern operate. Even when they buy players like Ryan Gravenberch, they pay like twenty five million for them. Yeah, that was my immediate thought. Is that I just can't see Bayern. <clears throat> excuse me, I can't see Bayern dropping that much money on a single player. Um, so yeah, I just I I don't see it happening. Uh, and like Pa said, I mean United's always going to uh, to going to be in there, but they have uh, so much they have to address. You know, on top of striker, they've got to replace De Gea. Um, you know, critically, so I think we'll be okay there. And unless they just blow us out of the water in wages, I think we're a lot more uh, attractive right now too. That may just be my bias, but I mean, we look like we've got a really good thing going on right now. <laughs> And another player that we've been uh, linked with that we we all didn't think would happen last week, um, Cancelo. It, it seems like Barcelona are kind of moving into the driving seat in that one. Um, I think we, you know, we went through this. I don't want to cover old ground, and you know, we all said Cancelo's a good player, but we wouldn't exactly be heartbroken if we didn't get him. Um, personally, I'd be fine with him going to Barcelona just if it meant paving the way for someone more like Fresneda. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, again, I mean, he, he's a really good player. I mean, he'd be a great fullback. I just, I don't see the cost, like, we just have bigger fish to fry, I think, basically. And and I just don't see it. This really just feels like talk to me. Um, even even the, the Gundogan ones feel a lot like talk to me, too. Um, I think he stays at Man City, Gundogan. I, I just I don't see him leaving there. I really I really don't see him leaving there. I think that's uh, I think the Gundogan links 
might well be Gundogan's agent coming out with them because I think the person that's going to benefit the most from those links is Gundogan himself when he signs that fat two-year deal at Man City. Yeah, and it, I mean, frankly, it's just it's it's lazy journalism, I think, to like just link City players with Arsenal due to the Arteta connection and stuff like that. I'd say pretty much any City player that maybe is on the way out, Arsenal will probably get linked to him. It's I don't think there's much in it. And one that we've has been bouncing around for a while and we've not really gone over too much um, is Mason Mount. And there are stories today that we've actually already met with his players' representatives. And I, I don't doubt that. I think we have contact with all these players way before a bid ever goes in. Um, apparently, Mount has made it very clear to Chelsea that for whatever, something's gone on there. I don't know what it is, but he's made it very clear to him that he will not be signing a new deal and they're going to have to sell him. Um and it looks like, you know, for the longest time, it looked like Liverpool were going to be in the driving seat for that. But now the story is that uh, Liverpool have basically agreed terms with uh, with McAllister from Brighton. And they, um, they're basically ready to meet his release clause. Again, Liverpool are a club. They're not going to have Champions League football next year. They weren't really that willing to push the boat out anyway. I mean, I know they paid big money last year for Nunes, but they didn't seem to be that willing to shell huge money out. The players. So, um, Paz, Mason Mount, first off, do you think it could happen? And secondly, what do you think of it as a fit? Um, I've never been a massive fan of Mason Mount, but I, I wouldn't say I'm, I don't like him as a player. Uh, it's just never been a player I've really kind of bit ambivalent about him. Um, but, um, it, it does make, that makes uh, sense for me because, um, you know Chelsea will have to sell. Um, I'm. I don't think they're gonna have. They're gonna be able to ask ridiculous amounts for him because he's only got a year left, I think, on his contract. And it makes sense that he wants to leave because something, as you said, has happened behind the scenes. At the same time, Chelsea are uh, uh, close to the relegation zone than they are to any any European football. So uh, I think they're gonna finish the second worst. If only West Ham's goal difference was better. Um, if they lost the last game and West Ham won by an extraordinary amount, they'll be the worst performing London team in the in the Premier League, which is quite incredible, really. So him wanting to leave and go to a, a better club um, would make sense. Um, I don't I don't see it as a bad thing though. I think it will depend on what we get for him. Um, I think he he's an industrious player. He does score goals. Uh, he can provide a threat. He creates as well. Um, so as long as it's not astronomical prices we're talking about, I don't, I'm not, I'm not against that. And I can actually see that potentially happening. Um, Gundogan, I, I think Cancelo as, 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 um, uh, Justin mentioned, I, that's just, again, lazy journalism. There's no way on this planet I can see Man City selling him to us anyway. I just think that would be insane. Um, and they'd want an awful lot of money for him. So it, it, that's just not going to happen. Gundogan, I can see a little bit more. Um, but they always use words like Arsenal are keen, don't they? That's what these journalists use, keen. I mean, we're keen. I'm keen on, you know, Messi. I'm keen on Mbappe. It, it means nothing. So it, I think it's just all a, a kind of just try to stir up some form of uh, speculation before the window opens. I think you're, you're probably right on a lot of them. Um, I do think there's fire with this Mason Mount one. There's just too much smoke for it not to be. Um, I think we would be attractive to Mount. Also probably helps that Declan Rice is his best mate. 
So if we can get Rice on board, I think that's probably going to help. And I, I think Mount would be better for us than than a lot of people think. I, mm. I, I do. I think he's a better player than a lot of people think, and I, I think he I think he would be good for us. Um, Judge Chelsea are, are sailing pretty close to the wind when it comes to financial fair play. They are going to have to sell some players. They're already talking about buying players. I saw them linked with Vlajevic as well. Um, yeah. So they've got to get money in from somewhere. They can't just keep on spending. Yeah, I mean, if we really want Mason Mount, I think we've got a, a great opportunity this summer. Uh, you know, they've got an extremely large, bloated squad. You know, finances aren't exactly in their favor right now. Uh, I don't know how much Boley is just going to continue to spend, but we really should get a pretty good deal with Mount if we want him. And, uh, you know, he's not a player I, I love or anything, but I, I wouldn't turn him down at all. I, I think he'd actually be a good fit, versatile um young english homegrown i it's it's just you know he kind of checks all the boxes for us uh he's um de- you know decent end product for midfield and and he presses well i think he'd he'd fit right into the midfield and like you said i mean mates with uh declan rice too would would help it just it just seems like a sensible one to me i mean a lot of, you know i'm never a fan of these transfers from chelsea we've 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 not had one that um that I've been a particular fan of. I, I couldn't stand the Peter Cech deal. I thought that was a terrible deal. Um, the, the Ashley Cole Gallas swap is probably the worst transfer of all time. It's worse than Alexis and Mkhitaryan. Um, I, you know, we've just we've never Willian. I'm not even going to mention. We we took Yossi Ben Ayoun off loan from there, and and he was shit. And I just we we've just not had a good. We've just not had good luck with these deals from Chelsea. But I do think this is one of the very few that I would be in favour of. I, I saw us linked to N'Golo Kante a few weeks ago, and I would throw my laptop out the window at, at the thought of that. That's just, to me, that would just be ludicrous. But this one, this one, pass, it does make sense. It does. It does. Like I said, I've, I've never been a keen follower of Mason Mount. I like when England play, I, I, I do prefer other players like Foden and perhaps Grealish in that position than, than Mount. To I've watch. got some bad news for you, pass. We're not buying Foden or Grealish. No, 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 I know. <laughs> I know. But what I'm saying is is my my knowledge of Mount is not immense and my feelings towards Mounts aren't, aren't one that I can say is is of immense kind of like, you know, um, appreciation of the way he plays. But having said that, I think for us, if you look at how Arteta plays, if you look at if you look at the way Granite Shaka is. Mount, there are some similarities, I think. You know, very hardworking, industrious. Um, I think he's got more end product than Shaka. Um, he does go in a more advanced position, which would suit the number eight. Um, so I can absolutely see that. I can see it. That's that's the important part. You can see it. I wouldn't say I, I'm absolutely uh, one of his biggest fans, and especially coming from Chelsea. But I think if we get him... At the numbers that are reasonable, 40, 50 million, I think that's a pretty good deal. Well, we've got a lot to do this summer. Like, we, mm. we all know how big this job is this summer that's going on. I mean, we, you know, we kind of, we kind of thought last year, you know, the big surgery on the squad is done. It, it really wasn't. And we just, we just couldn't really, we couldn't really see it. We've seen the progress. We've seen how much progress we've made. But this is major surgery this summer. Make no mistake. I mean, we said on the, we said on the pod a couple of weeks ago we could see three players being replaced in the first team, and it may end up being more than that. But one of them's already confirmed because we know that Granite's leaving. 
So one mm. of the three, we all pretty much, all three of us said the same three, right? We all said Party, Shaka and, and Jesus. Well, one's already confirmed. And I, I'm, I, I think Party is all but confirmed as not necessarily leaving, but as being replaced in the squad. Pass. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it, it, that's that I think is um, what's going to be the driving force behind the signings is the replacements of the ones that we, you see, I've seen reports of us not really concentrating on a striker. So the Jesus one, Jesus one is one I would think would make sense, but I don't know if that's going to be a hundred percent in our plans. Um, you know, there's the right back of Ben White, you know, having him more as someone part of a rotation of that central defense, which we've been missing this season with Saliba out. I think there's still, there's areas in that first team. You're absolutely right. That, to say that we're the finished article first team wise, I think is totally naive. I think there are definitely areas that we can replace, still keep those players in the squad, but re- replace with players that are just a little bit great above them. We have to do that. If we want to move forward, it's as simple as that. That is what we have to do. It's the only way that we are we are going to get better is, uh, is to and, do that. And to that point as well, I'm sure, I'm unless I, because I'm not, the most privy to what they talk about in contracts, but I'm sure the players that they're looking to renew contracts with or have renewed contracts must have asked these questions about what is the ambition of the club over the next two to three years? Do they look to sign more players, et cetera, et cetera. You you have to think that that must come up in conversation. Um, So there has to be some plan on that. Yeah, I'm sure there has to be. And Jazz, I know they've said that signing a striker isn't a priority. And and I don't think any of us are saying, my God, we've got to get someone better than Gabriel Jesus up front because he's terrible. None of us are saying that. He's a very, very good player. And he absolutely improved us immeasurably. I said to everybody last, last year that there wasn't a single club in Europe that would be improved by one player as much as Arsenal and a decent centre forward. And I think that proved to be the case. Gabriel Jesus coming in, lifted our level, I mean, it is eons above where it was before he came in. So we're not saying that he has to be replaced. I just think that every year we're going to think that might be an area we can improve. Yeah, of course. And and I agree, you know, it's nothing against the player in and of himself at all. He's, you know, I mean, he's not the best finisher. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, a 20-plus goal a season striker. Um, but yeah, he he's he's improved us a lot. You know, he brings a lot of good to the table. I just think it's going to be important that we have uh, like a different profile of striker to be able to you know mix up the tactics a little bit. And I also think there's a lot of wisdom in maybe Jesus being the backup to Saka and bringing in a striker as opposed to bringing in a right wing as well. Um, that makes more sense to me than than spending a lot of money on a on a backup for Saka. So you can kind of kill two birds with one stone there. I think in the center uh, the center forward position. I agree with that. I agree with that one hundred percent. And I'm I'm fine with Jesus being our starting center forward next year. Absolutely fine with it. I think he's pressing wise. I think he's phenomenal. And in this team, I don't know we need a twenty five goal a season striker. I just I just don't. I think we've got two twenty goal a season wingers. Not this season, but next season. I think we've got two 20-goal-a-season wingers. I think we've got a midfielder that's capable of hitting 20 in Martin Odegaard. I think the other midfielder that we get, I mean, Granite hit, what, seven this year? 
And I think whoever we get to replace him is going to be capable of hitting more than that. So Plus, uh, Smith Rowe, you know. Well, yeah, because he's being retrained <laughs> to play there, right? We just he's being retrained to play left eight. We just don't know who for. <laughs> so, but, I'm sorry, Jazz. I didn't mean to do that. To you. <laughs> but, but it's um, yeah, it's just I just think it's a fact we get goals from everywhere in this team, and I just I don't think it's as important that the centre forward scores 25 goals. But I do think sometimes we are lacking ways to change a game because. Uh, Eddie just ain't it, Pass. No, and and yeah, I'd, I'd really hate to go hard on Eddie and Ketty. He he's always been. I think he's he's in patches been been really useful for us. But I think that's one of the biggest changes I'd want to see for next season because, um, you know, when you talk about Vlahovic, he doesn't score many goals either. He's not, not a prolific goal scorer. But can you imagine if you're bringing on him for Jesus? It's a totally different dynamic. It, you don't want it to be too drastic, from so it differs from the system, but it brings something a little bit different for us when we're when it's not working. And I think that's that's the area where Nketiah just does not offer that change. He he offered uh, the last times he's come on a sub, and I do I do you know feel for him because he's coming on as a sub, but there's no impact. I've not seen any impact on any of his substitute appearances. For a long time. I can't even remember when it was. In fact, I think the last time he scored was that Man United game. And since then, I've not seen anything from him when coming on that's changed the game. And I, I think, think he's that always says struggled as a sub, though. I mean, he started that Man United game. And I, I think he's always struggled as a sub. Whenever he's come off the bench, he's just not a player that gets it. And, and, and I've mm. seen this with, with tons of players in the past, right? So Dennis, Dennis Bergkamp, one of my favourite ever players, Towards the end, he was on the bench a little bit and he struggled when he came off the bench because I think some players, some players need to be in the game. Aaron Ramsey was another one that struggled when he was coming back from injury and he'd come off the bench. He needed to be in the game. He needed to be up to speed with a game to make a difference. And I just feel that, that with Eddie, that's kind of a thing. But then it goes back to Justice's question. Then why are you signing him on a contract then? If you have no intention of playing him in the first team and he's going to be second fiddle, to Jesus and very rarely has an impact coming on. But I think that's why. I think that's why, Pass. You're you're buying Gabriel Jesus and you weren't buying Gabriel Jesus off Manchester, off being a rotational option for Manchester City by being a rotational option for Arsenal. You weren't buying Gabriel Jesus for that. So if you're going to buy Gabriel Jesus, someone has to back him up. Correct, but it's naive to think that that player can play 90 minutes every single game. He's going to at some point have to be something. That's not the plan though, Pass. The plan was to never play him. If the plan, let's let's be fair. The the plan was to pay him five million quid a year to not play. But then, what were they expecting when Gabriel Jesus needs to be substituted or he comes off with an injury? What were they well, expecting? They, they, you're gambling on that not happening. That's that's what <laughs> yeah. they would do. Like you might not like it, but that is exactly no, what, no, no. It's, it's not, the same it's, with Saliba. It's the same with Saliba. The absolutely, was it's that not that I, injured. But I think that's where they have to make the change this season because they've seen. That is part of the reason why we've come short. It's part of the reason why we are not where we should, where we thought we would be at the end of the season, because those people that fill the gaps just do not fill them sufficiently to make us at least challenge in these games. I think, I think you're right, right? I, I think you're absolutely right. Just isn't this, though, just the next phase, right? Arteta's been talking about these five phases, blah, blah, blah. Isn't this just 
he said we were on phase three, right? So to me, phase three was we got that first 11 sorted. So isn't phase four now the filling out the rest of the squad by uh, mm. and doing it by replacing the players in the first team and making the players that were in the first team the squad? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, with regards to Eddie, I kind of think it's a, a similar thing to what you said about Nelson. Um, mm. It's it's it, a warm it's, body. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a comfortable backup that we already have that we don't have to make a transfer fee layout on. I think, uh, and I agree with what Paz said 100%, but I think we had so many uh, like other holes to fill in the squad that it mm. just wasn't that much of a priority, you know? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I definitely think we need to upgrade on Eddie. I would just prefer us upgrading on Jesus and Jesus taking Eddie's spot if, if we were going to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, I just don't know if we're ready to do that yet. Yeah. And we, we might not with the other stuff that we've got to do, you know, if you're talking about, if you're talking about Rice, Mount and Caicedo, then there's definitely no way. Do you know what I mean? Like there is a limit to what Mm. you can do. And that would basically be, that would be it. There is no way you sign them three. You can sign them three and maybe Fresneda, but there is no way you sign them three and of Vlajevic type player. It just, it just, it's not possible. Do you know what I mean? We're not Manchester City. We cannot do that. There are rules we have to abide by. Oh, wait. No, there's not. Well, <laughs> anyway. There's, well, we know. might have rules to abide <laughs> yeah. by. But, but... but that's, the, that's the thing, though. Isn't it? I mean, there's a limit to what you can do. Um, and the progress we made from the year before to last year and then from last year to this year, you've got to say it's being done right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Mm. So, okay, lads. All right, well, let's leave it there for tonight. Thank you. It was a good one, very enjoyable. And um, we'll catch up with you all later on towards the end of the week when we look forward to the last game of the season. So, good night. Goodbye. Good night.